The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Paganism, shamanism, what do these ideas mean to you? Did you know that a lot of controversial views on these topics are based upon misconceptions? Welcome to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk, a.k.a. Susie Peltier. We will explain these practices in depth and provide new opportunities and perspectives to change your life. Now, here is Lady Red Hawk. Hail and welcome, everyone. I am Lady Red Hawk, and I am welcoming you to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Today's show is on Shamanism 102. We had a wonderful show last week with my special guest, John Caracella, and he's agreed to come back and do two more shows. This is the second show for that. This show is going to be about power animals, spirit guides, and omens. So if you have uh, questions, please be sure to call in 1-866-472-5795 or email info at suzypeltier.com. So, uh, John is, um, has brought his sacred drum today, and we'll be focusing on the signature tool of the shaman, the trance journey, and building alliances with spirit realms, power animals, spirit guides, tutelary spirits, and the skill of reading omens. So it should be a very, very interesting, fun show, so stick around. Um, before I go into that, I've chosen to devote three shows to shamanism because the practices of the shaman, the witch doctor, brought us the core beliefs in, held in Wicca and modern paganism, namely the belief in a spiritual, ecstatic, personal connection with the unseen realm and the divine. This assumption of energetic interconnection and the tools to enhance and explore that connection come to us from the shamans. They laid the foundation for healing arts, herbology, psychic guidance, support, and many practices still used in ritual. As the term witch doctor implies, shamans were the seers, healers, and clergy of their time. But before we get started... Um, I'd like to just say that there are many traditions in Wicca, and like other denominations in Christianity, these traditions vary widely in their perspectives and practices. So we agree on two fundamental points. Wicca is a nature worship, and second is that we have nothing to do with the devil. There is no devil in Wicca. Also, because the traditions vary so widely, I'm not pretending to speak for all Wiccans. Um, I am presenting my perspective on Wicca and a tradition that I developed uh, some 20 years ago uh, called Taoist Wicca. Taoist Wicca is a spiritual coaching system as well as a spiritual practice. So, again, if you have any questions for us during the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. 
that said, I'd like to introduce John Carousella. Welcome, John. It's a Thank pleasure you. to be here. Thank you, Susie. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you kind of got into shamanism, and how we people can find you and reach you for a session. Okay. Or Great. Thank you. Um, uh, well, you, now you've opened a can of worms. Like, how did I get into this? And, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could I could spend a long time on that one. My uh, life story. <laughs> what an opportunity! Talk about a watermelon pitch. Uh, uh, well, okay, so so you can find me at um, fireflywillows.com. Firefly Willows is a traditional healing arts center on the peninsula uh, down in the Palo Alto area, um, in the Bay Area of Northern California. And uh, we have uh, a variety of practitioners there, uh, among which I am one. And um, I do shamanic healing and counseling there and um, on location. I also travel and do classes and workshops uh, on the road. Uh, so if you're interested in the, the topic, the conversation that we have uh, here on today's show, you can hunt me down there. Uh, or you can go to fireflywillows.blogspot.com. That's where I write. Um, I also have another uh, blog, The Swallowtail Project, theswallowtailproject.blogspot.com, where I write a little bit more. Um, Firefly Willows is more the is the more the personal healing journey, and The Swallowtail Project is more social activism and uh, social commentary. So Thank that's where you. you can find me. That's great. He's also the co-founder of Firefly Willows. Yes, uh, Firefly Willows is, is, a, is a family thing. Uh, <laughs> my wife and daughter and I uh, formed it um, uh, almost, well, not quite two years ago. Uh, so we're still young and still figuring it out. Yeah, it's a wonderful resource, though. Thank um, you. Happy to be a part of it every once in a yes, while. Yes, it's delightful. Um, so, John, we left off in our last conversation with the question, what's the difference between shamanism, sorcery, and witchcraft? Can we return to that question? Yeah, sure, sure. So we, we, uh, we talked about the difference between shamanism and sorcery last time. Uh, and to sum that up, um, shamanism is more about, well, uh, sorcery is about harnessing power mm -hmm. and the exercise of power. Shamanism is about harnessing power, but exercising that power strictly through the guidance of compassionate spirits. So there's a, there's a free agency, um, an ego that is attached to sorcery, which should not be attached to shamanism, at least the way I've been instructed and understand shamanism. Mm -hmm. So, um, there are shamans in various cultures that are actually sorcerers. You know, the, again, we have to be careful about the terminology here because the term shaman actually comes from a particular culture in uh, northern Mongolia. Right? <laughs> so we, so we've we've taken that term and used it broadly to talk about witch doctors and uh, healers and so on and so forth that work with spirits. Uh, but there's a difference between working with spirits that are strictly compassionate and therefore are enlightened in the sense and, and they know what's best. And they give good guidance. And they, give, they give unerring guidance uh -huh. uh, versus and, and doing what they, you know, and working with them and, and using, channeling their power through you and 
working with spirits that aren't necessarily 100% enlightened, but they still have power, or working with elementals, which don't really have a, an attitude about morality. They are amoral, and so their power is accessible to anyone. Um, so we, I make the distinction between sorcery and shamanism that way, and that's the, because that's how I was taught. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we talked a little bit after the show last week um, about the difference between shamanism and Wicca, because you know Wicca much better than I do. Right. Um, and I think some of the things that we came up with were pretty interesting. Um, so the way I see it is the shaman is not a ritualist. The shaman goes and communicates with compassionate spirits on behalf of the tribe or the community or an individual and brings back techniques and information. Whether those techniques, whether that a particular technique is used again and again is very specifically associated with the message that the shaman gets from the spirits. So in a sense, there's no such thing as a ritual. There's only a ceremony that you do again. (laughs) Uh And you may do it, the spirits may say, do this every month or do this at every full moon or do this every springtime. Um, in, In that sense, you might think it's a ritual, but it's not. It's a ceremony because the spirits have said, do this to effectuate whatever change you're trying to effectuate. And they're always in the moment with you. And they're always in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Wiccan practice of, of doing rituals is really, um, it's a codification mm-hmm. of a ceremony that then you, you, know, you do independently of a particular instance of spiritual guidance. Now, uh, that might sound, it might sound like, okay, well, let's say it this way. So the shaman is not the priest. The shaman is the independent operator. Mm-hmm. The priest has the job of collecting the community and keeping the community in tune or in plumb, so to speak. And so Wicca, as a practice that, that regularly engages in ritual is actually the domain or the container for keeping the people soft and juicy, you know, <laughs> open to spirit. So, so they really, both, both roles are important to, to be able to give the container, keep the container in tune and keep the people on simmer mm-hmm. is a very important part, I think, of, of Wicca. Mm-hmm finding the particular spices that go in the recipe that you need at this moment is something that is typically done by the shaman. So um, Joseph Campbell made the distinction between the shaman being the artist having the original experience and then the priests, that that emerging class, sought to um, expand that experience and make it accessible to people who were not uh, that that wasn't their thing. So that the arrow makers and the hunters and and the the tanners and every every job that was encompassed by the tribe, everybody had an opportunity to have that ecstatic experience. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's very true. And and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's it's in fact done 
done correctly, ritual is a very powerful and positive thing, and it does engage aspects of the psyche and taps that that those aspects into power that it wouldn't ordinarily uh, be easily accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Plus, communally, uh, everybody has more juice because of the synergy yes. involved yes. Than, yes. than one person can usually harness. So there's a benefit to getting all of everybody on the same page. Absolutely. And then plugging into seasonal e- energies that have impetus to do certain kind of psycho-emotional, physical labor. Yes. So attuned to planting and harvest and uh, those things metaphorically in the psyche. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's all it's all part of a great woven web. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, well, we're going to take a, a break. If you want to get in on the um, the questions, please uh, please give us a call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five or email info at suziepeltier dot com. We'll be right back. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Well, thank you. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with uh, Shaman John Caracella, and we are talking today about the trance journey that's uh, the defining tool of shamanism and power animals, spirit guides, and omens today. So before I leave the subject of uh, 
the different different definitions um labels people wear uh with regard to this there is a great b- big pagan conference happening uh this coming this weekend, weekend. Yes, yeah exciting. starts friday um 11 p.m. John is giving actually a workshop on uh, calling the elementals. Calling in the spirits. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very exciting. Uh, and, and I wouldn't call it so, a workshop so much as a big, well, rowdy in, party. Invocation. <laughs> an invocation. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Wonderful to kick off the, uh, the weekend's festivities. It's down in San Jose, and you can find out more about the con, as we lovingly call it, if you go to uh, www.ancientways.com. And the term is PantheaCon. So um, sometimes we get confused between when somebody says they're a pagan or when somebody says they're a shaman or when somebody says they're a witch. And a lot of not all shamans are witches, not all witches are shamans, and not all pagans are, are witches and <laughs> Wiccans. Um, so pagan is kind of a catch-all term for those who refuse to convert, um, those keeping some other belief system. Uh, Michael Harner, the father of shamanism, brought uh, the shamanistic study um, into modern anthropology, into cultural anthropology about 30 years ago. And uh, he defined it very narrowly as the capacity to journey, and only those people, according to his scholarly reference, who journeyed were shamans. However, so many of the practices that shaman, sh- the shamanic tools come to us that are handed down and used in ritual and used by those specifically of the craft of the wise shaping, which is what which means. Um, oh, say, say more about that. Wise, craft of the wise, wise shaping. Yeah, wick uh, means to bend or shape energy. Uh-huh. So wicca, um, of course, the Latin of E would be A. So wiccans are, belong to the craft of the wise shaping, wicca. Mm. And it's a way of gently, without the charge, reclaiming witchcraft and the term witch. So some people will be specific that they're Wiccans and not witches. Um, If they're uncomfortable with the term or there's something about that that uh, they don't want to be involved in. So some people make a distinction between a witch and a Wiccan. It's... It's like herding cats. We're very independent mm-hmm. folks. So. <laughs> so, so I, w- I want to share something that comes to mind about um, the shamanic way, the the path. Uh, it's I was taught that you actually don't that it's sort of sort of impolite to call oneself a shaman. Mm-hmm. A little like being psychic. Uh, It sounds pompous to say I'm psychic. (laughs) Well, perhaps. But I think here's the thing, Um, and this came this came to me in a teaching that uh, was really a beautiful teaching. I was sitting with a a colleague uh, on a break um, in my Celtic training, and we were talking about the ego, and. You know, we were sort of, sort of bashing the ego, right? As most of us who are trying to get a hold of ours do. Um, and she said, "But wait, 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 wait. There's there's a part of the ego that's really important in that it gives you the courage to to try to do things, right? To to 
there's the 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 sense that well, I'm good enough to do that. And healthy self self esteem, self self esteem, and 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 self empowerment. Right. And so I can't. It came down. It was very beautiful. It's like there's two halves of the ego. There's the there's the I can, and the I am, and the I can is. I can do a shamanic journey. I can offer healing work. I can, I can, I can, et cetera, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The, on the I am side, there's really only one appropriate I am, and that is I am mm-hmm. with nothing that follows. And, and I, it, it strikes me just in this moment that what Harner said was the reason you don't call yourself a shaman is because it's not your power and it can leave you at any time. So if you say, I can do shamanic work, or I walk the path of the shaman, or I walk the shamanic path, that says that you are in process. You're a verb, right? Mm -hmm. In this particular moment, I am able to offer something, as opposed to claiming the title, which sort of implies ownership of something that you don't own. Right. Right. So... So if you find folks um, feeling a little funny, if you ask them if they're a shaman and they kind of like give you like, a, well, mm, <laughs> you know, they, de- they demure, it's, it's because of that. It's because, well, I, I do shamanic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why on my card I say I'm a shamanic practitioner mm-hmm. as opposed to saying I'm a shaman. Right, right. Very good distinction. Thank you. Um, Going to the skill of the trance journey, uh, Harner talked a lot about it, and it's kind of the defining tool of shamanism. So can you tell us what a shamanic journey is, and why would it be a helpful skill, skill to learn? Oh, well. How is um, it relevant to? Well, it's kind of like walking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a helpful skill because you can get to places. <laughs> and and I really I mean that in in uh, you know there's a reason we call it a journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because the 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 psyche, the consciousness, actually travels. So it is it is a journey to other places, and those other places are in non ordinary reality. We talked about last week about ordinary reality and non ordinary reality. And I think we talked about the middle, upper, and lower worlds, mm-hmm. right? We said the yes. middle worlds, the spirits in the middle world can have issues just like we have issues. Right. And the upper and lower worlds, they're compassionate and enlightened. So, so the shamanic journey is in effect the vehicle, the, the tool, fundamental tool that you use to go find the spirits that you're going to learn from and that are going to tell you what to do, that are going to give you guidance and show you, you know, like, for example, um, you know, let's say you go on a you, you let's say somebody's sick, right? And um you're new at this shamanic thing, right? So you know you're supposed to go on a journey and you know that you have a spirit that is out there in non-ordinary reality. So you do your journey, you go to you go into trance and your consciousness goes on this journey and you meet up with your spirit and that spirit shows you what to do, shows you, you know, Twist his head like this and pull on his pinky and, you know, what, whatever it is that he says to do, right? Whatever it is the spirit says to do. The reason the spirit's telling you to do it is because the spirit doesn't have a body and can't do it in this reality. So you are, in a sense, 
the vehicle or the, the conduit through which capacities that exist in spirit can get translated into material reality. So like the spirit knows what to do, but can't do it. You may not know what to do, but you have the physical capacity to do it in this reality. So the journey is essentially, it's, it's the way you learn. It's, it's a the, team process. It's a team process and yeah. you have to go meet your spirit in order to begin to learn, right? Now, over time, it is possible and, and, and is not uncommon for the, the shamanic practitioner who has a, a, a tutelary spirit to call the tutelary spirit to come and to come and be with the, the shaman in this reality. And so the journey becomes the journey takes on a different role. The journey isn't essential for every teaching, but there's stuff out there that you won't witness any other way, right? So, so the, so the journey continues to be an important part of continuing education, uh, but some practices don't require that you do the journey once you, once you have learned from the spirit. The only way you learn from the spirit is to go on the journey in the first place to go meet them and establish a relationship. Mm-hmm. So when you think of all those uh, amazing odd herbs and beetles that the Chinese boil for colds and uh, those kind of things, if you've ever walked through a Chinese pharmacy and see all these different herbs, and some are boiled for a long period of time, some you use only the flowers, some you use only the roots and so forth, all of this was acquired through a, a meditation of some sort, mm-hmm. some form of communication between the plant spirits or yes. the earth spirits Absolutely. or Absolutely. Uh, the animal guides to tell you what you should feed Johnny with hay fever and what you, you know what mm-hmm. watering holes were poisoned and so forth. Yeah, and and the, the thing is, you you get um, you, if you think about the you know what we do every night when we go to sleep and we dream. Right, there, it, the dream state is uh, akin to the shamanic state of consciousness, and you can journey in dreams. Now, one of the things that we learn is conscious control of the journey experience. Right, when you're dreaming, you're you're you know when you first start when you first go to sleep and realize that you're having dreams, you don't necessarily control them, and you don't know how to control them. Uh, Robert Moss does dream work. And in which he teaches how to, in in essence, start with the dream state and turn it into a shamanic journey. So it is possible for all of us to journey because all of us dream. So there isn't really a haves and have nots kind of experience here. If you have a human body, you have the capacity to communicate with spirit. You have the capacity to journey. It's just whether it's easy for you, whether you're naturally talented at it, whether you have the desire uh, to learn it and go after it and and make the commitments that you have to make. Yes, it's a big commitment to make to the community and to the spirit realm. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Yeah, and you don't always get what you want. And if you and and by the way, uh, most of the shamans were not. Uh, they didn't live in the lap of luxury. No. Right. They they. In order to stay in tune with their spiritual guidance, they had to be very close to nature, typically. And so they had to forego a lot of the material. You know, as, as technology improved and things got more and more comfortable, they still stayed on the edge. 
So they were, they, they were, you know, shamans were typically not wealthy. Well, not only that, but there was usually an, an initiation process. So sometimes you were made particularly uncomfortable oh, for yeah. an extended <laughs> period of time. Yes, indeed. So that you would transcend your pain and discomfort. You would transcend the body, go into the other realm, and that you only survived with the help of the spirits. If they that were is, not with you, then you died and buried in that anthill. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it was a very yeah, because, tricky process. Because the spirits are attracted to uh, folks who are suffering and want to be want their suffering alleviated. Yeah. So if you're suffering on behalf of the community because you want to, you know, learn the walk the path, they're gonna be like, oh, okay, we'll help this guy. <laughs> Great, thank you. Well, we're gonna take a little break. Be right back. You're listening to Spiritually Speaking: Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Hey, welcome back. I'm here with John Carasella. We're talking about uh, shamanism and the process of the journey and the commitment it takes to take that journey and kind of the two functions between um, priest, priestess, those people who kind of rallied the common folks so they were allowed to or able to for themselves cry themselves a vision which is a Native American term for getting a vision on your own um, but 
he was talking about the shamans being kind of marginalized by choice. They'd make a commitment to the group and the service of the group and to the spirits. However, they live a little bit more closely with nature and a little more removed from the the group so that they can stay in their original experience. Yeah, shamans shamans basically um, have a compelling need and and kind of, I guess I would say, obligation to remain wild. Mm Mm-hmm. The, 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 and it's not because civilization, because the comforts of civilization are intrinsically bad. It's because an overindulgence in artificial structure separates one from sources of power. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to be an urban shaman. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible, but it's hard because you have to constantly be vigilant that you're not being numbed by the artificial structures around you. You know, I don't wash my face. I've, I've recently realized that, you know, it turns out that, that the hot water that, that has to travel a long way from my tank to my basin in the morning, right? So when I get up in the morning, uh, you know, I have to turn the hot water on, let it run and run and run and run before I wash my face with warm water. And then I realized... Who the heck washes their face with warm water out in the wild? <laughs> nobody. Yeah. Nobody. So, so like, and I, so, I, you know, I would be, there would be times when I'd be impatient and I would just use the cold water and I would wash my face with cold water. And over, over time, I realized, you know what? This actually feels way better. Mm-hmm. It feels way better to wash my face with cold water than with hot water. And so now I don't even turn on the hot water spigot in the morning. I just turn on the cold water spigot and wash my face with cold water because I think this is what it would be like if I were outside camping and I went to the stream and washed my face with the water from the stream. It wouldn't be hot. Now, (laughs) I do take warm showers. (laughs) (laughs) For which we're all grateful, by the way. (laughs) Okay, there... um there are specific uses of different instruments. You mentioned it, the didgeridoo sounded like the buzzing of insects and um, mm-hmm. uh, the drum-like one's heartbeat and so forth. Um, you brought your sacred drum today, and we talked a little bit about the vibration of the number of Cycles per second. Cycles per second that one that Harner studied this a great deal to find a particular mm-hmm. uh, set of frequencies that were uh, trance inducing. Yes. And it was discovered that the uh, when acoustical experiments happened at Stonehenge, that they did bring about the psychic entrainment, the um, uh, the group. Trance because there was a kind of an echo and amphitheater mm. effect set a, set. That sounds really cool. Stones. I'd like to go there and try that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember going there and sitting on the the periphery, periphery of it, where there's a walkway that goes around it. Mm. And, but at that point, it wasn't uh, cordoned off yeah, on the opposite end. Yeah. Well, it was cordoned off to the in, inner aspect, but the outer aspect there wasn't oh. a cord, so you could go and just sit on the earth. 
some of the mounds that were just mm. uh, around. And I noticed that it began, the, the vibration of the earth felt like a piccolo at first, very high, very high, wah, 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 wah. and then it, as I moved around the stone circle to what would then be the exit walkway back, it had become a timpani drum. Wah, 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 wah. So the whole ground vibrated at these spectral mm-hmm. frequencies. That's interesting. Not a single one, but but easily an understanding of the convergence of ley lines because it, you had all of these different frequencies that one could feel if you just put your butt on the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was really fun, and at that time you could do that. It's really exciting. So. Could you demonstrate for us the the approximate rate that one would drum? Yeah, sure. To uh, induce a trance and kind of what you might think about to set yourself up if you wanted to. Well, okay, so dare try this. Sure. Um, I I would say <clears throat> proper caution. Don't try this at home. Um, but you can try it at home uh, because it is part of your birthright. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you dream. Just so don't try it while driving. Don't certainly don't try it while driving. <laughs> um, now the the okay. So the, I'll demonstrate the drum beat in a second. Um, there, it, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be exactly this. Uh, Harner found that anywhere between three and a half and eight beats per second, or r- rhythmic instances per second, if you're not using a drum, if you're using a rattle or something like that, um, was the was the range and. You will want to experiment with this, with a rate that feels good for you. And they have different energies. So you'll experience a different, you know, the slower the beat is, the more languorous, the easier, uh, you know, more peaceful the entry is, the faster it is, the more energetic. You know, of course, these things make perfect sense. So uh, let me let me demonstrate. Okay, I'm going to de- demonstrate using a beat that is that is my personal favorite. <laughs> top top twenty song, um, and there's not a lot to it other than the repetitive sound. So that's that's a, a a journey beat. That's a fairly fast journey beat. You can go slower than that. But if you're if you're drumming if you're doing this, that this is not shamanic. This is not a shamanic transinduction beat. That's way way too slow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How's that? Very good. Thank you very much. So. Well, let's talk about power animals and stuff. Let's please talk about power animals. That is exactly where I was going to go to next. How do you build an alliance? How do you find out your power animals? Sometimes I was written the other day that a woman had been told she kind of had been assigned a power animal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she asked me about that. So let me pass it on to okay. you. Okay. Um, the, 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 there's, two, there's two processes. Uh, there are two typical ways of discovering your power animal. Now, you typically don't. Um, get a new one, mm-hmm. really. Um, 
you have them already. You just don't necessarily have a relationship with them. So um, the the one way to have uh, to become aware of your power animals or a power animal is to go to a shamanic practitioner and have them do a power animal retrieval for you. Uh, and that's basically uh, the way the way I was taught is you lay down uh, next to the practitioner. The practitioner goes on a journey and with the intention of bringing back to you a power animal that wants to share its power with you. And so the shaman goes on a journey, just like we've been talking about, goes, consults with his team of teachers, says, okay, where do I, you know, where can I find a power animal for Susie? And then goes and follows those instructions, is, is introduced to the animal, and the animal will demonstrate its uh, legitimacy in a sense, um, and may actually bring, may, may actually also, um, identify a, a dance, a song, a stone. It may have some other gift to bring. Uh, and then the shaman will come back with the power animal and, uh, and the gift and will typically blow the spirit of the, of the power animal into the heart chakra. And into the crown chakra, and that's it. You, now you know. You're, and then, of course, share with you the what the power animal is, and encourage you to go and commune with that spirit. Okay. So, once you actually have your power animal, um, your your obligation really is to get to know it. What does it mean to have a deer as a power animal? How do you how do you understand what deer medicine is. And the first place you look is to nature. Mm -hmm. Animals have their medicine on display if you're willing to become intimate with their way of life. And as you, as you observe them, as you, as you lean into them as real creatures, you learn what their medicine is. And, and, you can see how they then they'll show up in your dreams and they'll show up on posters when you're you know at a particular moment and you'll be reminded of their power and you can call on their power and use it now so that's that's if the shaman brings you your power animal that's how it works if you are willing to do this work yourself you can learn how to journey and go and ask for power animal mm-hmm. so you do the same thing except you do it on behalf of yourself and, you know, you again, once you have your power animal, you recognize it, you bring it back, you engage with it in this reality, try to understand it. Now, th- th- how much time do we have before break? Um, two minutes. Two, okay. So um, I just wanted to expand on this a little bit. Your power animal doesn't have to be there's, – there's, there's three kinds of power animals, okay? Uh, there's real live uh, – it's a deer, Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so the archetypal deer is your power animal. Right. Um, there is they, a specific instance of deer, right? Or let's say it, it's a dog, right? And it's your your old friend Skip, right? Who passed away ten years ago. He can be your power animal. That is not dog. That is a specific dog that you know whose name is Skip. Okay. Um, the third kind is a, is a power animal that is a mythological creature that doesn't necessarily, or, and maybe never, 
existed on this earth. So you could have dragon as the power animal, and you can argue back and forth whether dragons actually were ever here. But the point is, <laughs> it doesn't have to be here now. And you still have to feel into and learn what the medicine of that animal is. And you can do that through dreams. You can do that through um, meditation. And you can do that through reading mythology and lore. Great. Great. Thank you. Well, you are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. And I'm here with John Caracella, uh, shaman in residence at Firefly Willows uh, Healing Center. So we'll be right back. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Susie Peltier, Lady Red Hawk, offers private sessions of massage therapy, hypnotherapy, spiritual consultations, Reiki sessions, and trainings in San Francisco, California. She is available for in-person lectures as well as webcasts on a variety of topics such as stress management, holism, motivational speaking, and developing personal spirituality. Susie can also personalize a healing session or a spiritual consultation for you through Skype or by phone using hypnotherapy and distance sessions of Reiki. Susie is a reverend with the Universal Life Church and a third-degree Wiccan priestess performing interfaith pastoral duties such as hospice and family counseling, in addition to a variety of personalized rites such as weddings, house clearings, and memorials. Susie is currently taking applications for students in Wicca and offers circle trainings as well as priest and priestess initiation study programs. To find out more about Susie as a healer, teacher, and priestess, visit her website, www.susiepeltier.com. Email her at info at susiepeltier.com or visit the Facebook page to find out more about Taoist Wicca. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs with Lady Red Hawk. We would love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this week's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at suzypeltier.com. Now, back to Spiritually Speaking. Hi, welcome back. I'm Lady Red Hawk, and I'm here with uh, shaman uh, John Carousella. And... Um, Next, we're going to talk about the omens, and it's a very important tool to begin to assume that you are living in an interconnected universe and a speaking universe, a a communicative, receptive, listening answering universe and so when you put a question out there to the universe something that you're particularly a situation you're struggling with or something like that to be able to watch the signs in your day make your day a lot more magical bring takes you right out of the ordinary reality of the mundane realm and puts you back into connection with the infinite, and that there are really an infinite number of solutions available to a given 
situation. We sometimes just have to be patient and be willing to listen and then honor the information we're given. So, John, tell us a little bit about, um, you brought some goodies to share with us today regarding the omens. So, Well, <clears throat> okay, so I want to talk a, uh, first a, a, a little bit about communication. Mm-hmm. We speak we speak you and i speak english right and it's very easy for us to feel that something that does not speak english is not capable of communicating with us it's you know it's this is one of the greatest challenges in 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 animal science is how smart are they because they're not speaking english right and it's and it's not just that they're not speaking english they're not conceptualizing in english and we know this from from language studies that the culture forms the concepts the concepts emerge in the language so if you are not uh you know so so language is much more complicated than just vocabulary now uh, uh, why does this matter if you go out in the woods and you watch the deer you'll notice that the deer understand the squirrels Animals are really good at interspecies communications. Why is that? Well, first of all, if you believe in evolution, it would be foolish for a species to not attend to the information and feedback and data that is available from their surroundings in order to enhance their opportunities for survival. So just from a sheer natural selection uh, perspective, the deer must understand the squirrel because they live together and there's information that the squirrel has about the environment that is in all likelihood relevant to the deer. So the ones, the deer that survives are the deer that are most effective at harnessing the information that's in their environment. Hey, you, pay attention. (laughs) Hence the messages from the squirrels. Now that may seem crazy, right? But let's go another step. Let's talk about being so aware of your environment that you can taste the winter in the lettuce, that you can uh, appreciate how much rain we got in the spring when you bite into the apple. If you are that close to nature, if you are that close to your environment, you can do these things. And you might say, well, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty out there. We do that with wine. Mm-hmm. Oenophiles, wine lovers, what do you think they're doing when they say, oh, 1998 was a really good year for Merlots? And I can taste the oak and the apricot. They're, they're experiencing the impression that the land and the environment has made on the grapes through the process of the wine. That's communication and intimacy. That kind of communication and intimacy is accessible to us. And when you talk about messages and omens and the communicative nature of the reality we live in, if you think about it, it's not a stretch at all. It's not a stretch at all. In fact, it's exactly how this place was designed and how we were designed in it. 
We wouldn't have five senses or the sixth uh, sense we wouldn't, the synergy. Of, of course, five. exactly, right. exactly. So, you know, the Celts talk about, uh, well, okay, that's for another story, another day. <laughs> that's a long story about that. We the, have one more show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but it, it is absolutely uh, within our capacity to sense and experience and absorb information from our environment in ways that are not tied to English that are not tied to our spoken written language, our le- very left brain analytical structuring and conceptualization, conceptualization and compartmentalization of our world. Words, letters, concepts are fundamentally models in our heads. And they relate to, and, and we manipulate these things through thought. Feelings, on the other hand, Direct sensory input is not intrinsically conceptualized, and before it is conceptualized, it contains a great deal of information, most of which we ignore, we throw away. When you stop throwing that information away and start realizing how rich it is as a source of, of, of news about the world around you, well, it's like it's like having a whole new newspaper to read every day, right? With that, with with stories that are only in that newspaper. With moment by moment Twitter. <laughs> yes, with moment by moment Twitter <laughs> updates. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. It's it's like real time data feed from the world, and most of us have no capacity or very little capacity to read that out. It's hard enough to do it. It's even harder to do it when it's stamped out of you from the time you're five years old, which is what our educational system and to some extent our culture has done to us. Now, the consequences is that we build our own world and we have all this technology at our disposal because it's all the stuff that we've created. But the cost is that we've lost our capacity to speak and to listen to our environment. And this is one of the reasons in the environmental movement and the ecology movement is so near and dear to um, earth-based spirituality. Absolutely. Is if you lose nature, you, you're you refining out of yourself your human nature that is part and parcel of the divine. So if you can't speak to your human nature, then you can't speak to the nature of the beings around you, the squirrels, the dogs, and so forth, yeah, yeah. and you can't, you can't speak to the, di- the divine can't be heard through the din exactly. of the chaos. You can't, the divine can't be heard through the squirrels and the rain because, first of all, you've polluted the rain. Right. And secondly, you've killed the squirrels or, you know, well, not the squirrels, but, uh, you know, other things. And, uh, and you're not listening anymore. Right. Right. So that's the reason that, um, Shamanism would be relevant today. That's the reason why Wicca is making a resurgence and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. John, thank you so much for coming. It's really been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our third show next week. Me too. Week. Me too. And don't yeah. forget to come to PantheCon, everybody. Yeah. that's. Um, you can find out more about the con at uh, ancientwisdom, ancientways.com. Or you can do a Google search on PantheCon. Yeah. And you can contact John, of course. Um, thank you. Join us next week when John returns to for the third and last show exploring shamanism 
And that one is Shamanism 103, and we're going to be talking about soul retrieval and the healing processes uh, that were handed down to us by uh, the shamans. And um, I wanted to mention you can uh, like me on um, Facebook at uh, Spiritual, um, well, at Taoist Wicca, uh, and also uh, Spiritual Seekers Radio. That's a new page for me, so pardon me if I stumble along for that. But um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone, and we're looking forward to um, hearing from you. And thanks to all of you. Remember, the magic is in you. So merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Merry meet again. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Spiritually Speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs. Please join Susie Peltier again next Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a wonderful week.